Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. This week on Not Sam Wrestling, Alexa Bliss is our guest, and we talk about being a multi-time women's champion in the WWE and the road that she took to get there. We talk about competing with Ronda Rousey and a whole lot more, plus all the spots that you're going to be able to find brand new Not Sam Wrestling content. You'll hear all about my weekend and the kickoff shows for SummerSlam and TakeOver. We'll recap those shows. We'll talk about the Shield reunion and a lot more. I'm Sam Roberts. This is Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. You getting excited, huh? Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. It's episode 200. I told you it was coming. I told you it was coming. We're officially here. Episode 200, and we are officially not Sam Wrestling, and I am still officially the last professional broadcaster. Sam Roberts, thank you for joining us another week here on what will, from this day forward, be known only as Not Sam Wrestling, your exclusive home for Not Sam Wrestling. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You can follow us on Instagram at NotSamWrestling. You can email us, NotSamWrestling at gmail.com. There's a lot to talk about this week. Alexa Bliss is going to be on the show. I'll get into that in a couple minutes. We'll go to the state of wrestling later, talking about everything that happened to TakeOver, SummerSlam, Becky Lynch's heel turn. We're going to talk about the Shield reunion. A lot to go down. It's been a really, really busy Interesting, noteworthy week, especially in all of wrestling, but especially in WWE. Um, You know, the SummerSlam pay-per-view itself, I think, had a lot more of a discussion coming after it than most of the pay-per-views have previously. Generally speaking, people either agree it's a good show or it's a bad show. And in all the conversations that I've had about the show coming off of it, It's run the gamut. Some people absolutely hated it. Some people absolutely loved it. Some people thought some matches were great except for the ending. Some people even were satisfied by the ending. I'll tell you how I felt about it later on. Um, It may, well, I don't know what you expect, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to tease. It may not be what you expect. It could be what you expect. I don't know, but we'll talk about that later uh, in the state of wrestling. And of course, um, Alexa Bliss is going to be on the show. That's the interview that we did with her SummerSlam week live from Caroline's a couple of days before she defended the Raw Women's Championship against Ronda Rousey. So very, very great, interesting perspective coming from her leading into that match. Um, But before we get anywhere, you know, there's been a lot of talk uh, here on the show on Not Sam Wrestling about the show we created called Captive Audience and what was happening to that for a while. We were doing it exclusively on a premium format um, and people were enjoying it, you know, and, and wondering where... What, what happened to it, where it was going, blah, blah, blah. Well, I wasn't going to do this this week, but a couple of you already found it. I was hinting uh, that we were going to do this, um, and a couple of you found it during the week. So I thought 
It was time to get the content rolling. It was time to get started with everything. And it was time, as we're introducing Not Sam Wrestling, to expand everything that Not Sam Wrestling is. It goes way beyond just a podcast. Of course, this is always going to be here, right? This Not Sam Wrestling podcast, Sam Roberts Wrestling podcast, it's always going to be here every week for free, a big interview uh, state of wrestling always going to be here. I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, and if I did, I would have a lot of explaining to do because I just said I wouldn't. However, to me, Not Sam Wrestling is the beginning of a bigger content brand. I was thinking about this over the weekend. You know, we did the uh, 200th episode celebration from Caroline's on Broadway. We also did SummerSlam, the Sirius XM event from Caroline's on Broadway. Over time, I'm going to get all that content out to you guys, I promise. I don't, I, you know, of course, going to live shows, you're going to get, there, there are elements to those shows that are always going to be exclusive, but uh, I want you to be able to hear the interviews we do. I want you to be able to hear at least, you know, the, the majority of the content that we do at those live shows, so I'm going to get it to you. And what I was really thinking was that me... And I was thinking this as I was doing, like, not only the two live shows at Caroline's, but as I was hanging out over the weekend, as I was doing the SummerSlam kickoff show, the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn kickoff show, I've been kind of blessed to get this amazing access and, and live this dream job, dream world, dream circumstance in terms of pro wrestling. I think any anyone who grew up a pro wrestling fan dreams or should dream or would dream of a, a situation at least similar to the one that I'm in. And that's not to brag. That's to say, like, I kind of get it. I don't, I, I try not to take it for granted. And I don't think that I do. And what I do want to do is be able to share that stuff with you and be able to be creative with that stuff. And, and you know, if, if you, if one hour and a half to two hour podcast a week isn't enough, is to give you more content. Now, from the beginning of this podcast, uh, I made it a point to kind of be independent. You know, there have been uh, offers to join various networks over the years that we've been doing the show. You know, the show's been pretty successful. So, of course, people have, have, have certainly talked, and I've talked to a, many different people about uh, networks and, and sales forces and all this stuff. And to me, I felt like Not Sam Wrestling was the one place where I could speak directly to you I could produce directly for you it was the one spot where there was no boss there was no sort of this show acts is a directive for this bigger company no this show is the whole thing and this show is is really so that I can give you guys access that maybe you normally wouldn't get that's why we try to tackle it from a fan perspective that's why we don't always we don't get cynical very often on this show because there's nothing to be cynical about. It's about celebrating not only pro wrestling and sports entertainment, but celebrating the access that we have to it and the ability that we now have to create content, not only uh, through access, but through uh, digital distribution and technology. You know, I've got this amazing Not Sam Studio inside my house. I've got, anybody can use the internet, anybody can send and receive content, so why not take advantage of all that? And that's why I've always thought it was so important that Not Sam Wrestling stay independent. Not so much because, eh, we're against the system, man, nobody's gonna shut us up, we're not following the popular point of view, but more just so that 
we can do the things that we want to do. There's no ulterior motive to anything. To me, the relationship from me to you guys is what this show is all about. And that's why it's, and that's all it's ever really been about. It's about talking to these superstars. And when I talk, or, or people in and around the wrestling world, and when I talk to them, I do it from a perspective of, of you guys, of, of what, what, as a fan, what am I curious about? And let's throw it to you, unedited, on anything, and just, and just give it to you guys that way. When I do State of Wrestling, it's, you know, we like to talk about shows after shows. You know, the first thing that happens after SummerSlam is you start talking to your friends about SummerSlam. The first thing, when you think about what happened this week in wrestling, you just kind of go for it. And that's what I try to make State of Wrestling all about is just a conversation that I'm having with you guys about what's going on in wrestling right now and what my opinions are. So in an effort to maintain that relationship with you guys and in an effort to not only um, stay independent, but to be able to start unfolding the Not Sam and the Not Sam wrestling vision that I have in my head, I started looking around for spots to really expand content to really start expanding content and and turn Not Sam Wrestling into more of a platform where I can I can create, I can bring on collaborators and we can create kind of a whole world dedicated to being fans of wrestling. And, um, you know, I talk to a lot of people. I talk to uh, a lot of uh, people outside wrestling, inside wrestling. You know, I had long conversations with like Bruce Pritchard, for example. He and I... From the beginning of him podcasting, he would talk to me about podcasting. I would talk to him about, you know, expanding this thing of podcasting and programming in general and everything. Um, and then I talked to some of the good people over at Patreon because Patreon is something I've been aware of for a long time. Um, but I didn't quite know if the podcast itself fit into the Patreon model. And as I started exploring it, and as I started talking um, to some of the people at Patreon, I really realized that what we can do with Patreon is create a community and a content distribution platform, and that's why I've decided to create Not Sam Wrestling on Patreon. What it is is a situation where not only can you get bonus shows and ad-free shows, we can. I'll give you video content. I'm going to try to bring you even more into the world that I'm in and break down wrestling even more, but do it in a space where it's really just for us, just for the people that are into Not Sam Wrestling. Um, and I call those people Not Sam Shills. I know a lot of you out there have heard that I am a show for WWE. This is a this is a narrative that's been pushed forward uh, for a long time. There's even a shirt that says Shill Robert Shill. I know a bunch of you bought it uh, over at Caroline's over the weekend, and I very very much appreciate that. But how about this? How about we go beyond being a WWE show and become a Not Sam Shill? I'm the number one Not Sam Shill because really I should be. But that's who. The Not Sam Wrestling Patreon page is for. It's for the Not Sam Shills. Um, so I've set up a couple of branches over on the Patreon page. Um, and I've tried to make it for all, you know, economic groups. This is just, you know, I want to be able to spend, to dedicate time to creating content to this. Um, and this is this is really kind of what I need to do 
to be able to do that and to house it all together and to have it all make sense. So here's what we're going to do. If you want to be a not Sam Shill, you can do it on any of these levels. The first level is you can be a money mark. Okay, if you want to be a, a not Sam Shill money mark, here's what you're going to get at patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling. You're going to get two bonus episodes a month. Those are going to be captive audience shows. Um, those are going to be uh, state of wrestling bonus shows. Those are going to be bonus interviews. Those are going to be conversations that I have with other uh, uh, big name sort of fans slash journalists slash uh, wrestling opinion people. All that stuff is going to be classified as bonus episodes. And it's all going to be available by becoming a money mark, uh, not Sam Shill, at patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling. You'll get two bonus episodes a month and you'll get ad-free episodes and you'll get them early. So as soon as I'm done creating the week's episode of Not Sam Wrestling, it'll go up ad-free over at patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling, which is generally, you know, I do this day of uh, or day before. So you'll probably get the show 12 hours or so before it comes out. So if that's something that's important to you, if you like to download it immediately when you wake up in the morning, you'll be able to download it the night before. If that's something that you're interested in, you can get it at patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling in the money mark category. Now you can go a step further. You don't, if you're not, you don't consider yourself a money mark, you want to be more than that, you can become an indie darling. An indie darling, not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling is going to get all the stuff I just described. You will also get every month a Q&A stream uh, that you will be a part of alongside with me. It's a video stream. You'll be able to contribute questions, uh, and I will answer them every month, and it will just be for the people that are indie darlings. So it'll be a very limited audience. We'll spend some real time together. You know, it's not going to be, you know, a 10-minute deal. I'll sit there and I'll answer everything that you could possibly want to know from me, give you my opinions on everything, whatever you want to do. I'll make a ton of time for you, make sure all questions get answered every month. You're also going to get the State of Wrestling on video every single week. Every week, I do the State of Wrestling here in the Not Sam studio. If you are an indie darling on the Patreon page, you will get to see the video. The same day the podcast comes out, the video will be uploaded onto patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, and you will be able to watch uh, the State of Wrestling as I do it here in the Not Sam studio. Uh, You will also get, and this is something, you know, I tried to think about all the things that you guys ask for. All the things, why is this happening? Why Can you do this? Can you do that? You will get podcast interview videos available immediately. A lot of times it takes me a couple weeks before the videos of the interviews that I do here on this podcast end up on my YouTube page. So... If you're one of those people that want these interviews immediately, for the indie darlings at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, you will immediately get the podcast interviews when the same day the podcast is posted. That video will be available. And if it's a phone interview, you will get video of me in the studio with the guest on the phone. Videos for every interview will be available uh, only here immediately. Eventually, they'll be on YouTube. So if you don't mind waiting, you want to do it for free, that's fine too. But if you want it immediately, IndieDarlings at Patreon.com slash NotSamWrestling. It gets even better because there are superstars. You don't want to be an indie darling? You can go a step further. You can become a superstar. A superstar, Not Sam Show, at Patreon.com slash NotSamWrestling. We'll get everything that I've already said. But you will also get bonus video content. 
I will take videos with people. Like I took a couple videos backstage at the Not Sam Wrestling live shows over the weekend. When people are in the Not Sam studios, I'll just turn my phone on, turn the camera on. You'll get bonus videos, whether that's, uh, you know, when we're uh, prepping for the show, whether that's after the show, whether that's, you know, I got videos of people messing around with my uh, action figures here in the basement next to the Not Sam Wrestling studio. You'll get to see those videos if you are a superstar Not Sam show at patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling. You're also going to get a special live video pre or post show every month, before or after a big show once a month. I will do it's on video. I will do a special live video pre or post show. And I would imagine the most appropriate place to start with that would be all in. So I'll let you guys pick. You want me to do an all in pre show or you want me to do an all in post show? You'll be able to tune in live. I'll turn the chat on and everything. And we'll be able to do it together if. You're a superstar not, not Sam Show at patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling. You will also get a shout out here on the podcast. At the end of the show, I will shout out one of you Patreon superstars every single week. Um, so you'll get immortalized as the ultimate fan. As every superstar will get an on-air shout out on an episode of Not Sam Wrestling. We go one step further. The last step is, of course, Hall of Famer. You can be a Hall of Fame shill. On Not Sam Wrestling, if you go to patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling, you will get absolutely everything I've already explained. You will also get to ask an interview question. I will let you know ahead of time when I am going to interview somebody. You will submit your questions, and everyone who signs up to be a Hall of Famer will get at least one, if not more, questions asked. And you will be, you will, your name will be mentioned, the whole deal. Uh, when I interview somebody of your choice, I'll let you know. I'll do a post on Patreon. Hey, I'm interviewing this person today. If you want to ask a question, let me know. And you'll get a message when those things go up so you won't miss it. And uh, you, all you have to do is leave the question. You're also going to get free admission. The Hall of Famers will get free admission to each and every Not Sam Wrestling live show. That's right. You'll get on the VIP list. You'll get the meet and greet, whatever you want. If you're a Hall of Famer, you will get Admission to every Not Sam Wrestling live show as long as you are a member uh, of the Patreon page, Hall of Famers at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. You will get, and this is amazing, you all, you'll get a Not Sam uh, a enamel lapel pin. I'll send you a pin, um, which are beautiful. You know, they're up at NotSam.com if you want to see them. But you will also get, and this is the exclusive place to get this. If you are a Hall of Fame not Sam show at patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling. It's the only place you're going to be able to get the not Sam black satin chalk line jacket. I'm going to have more made only for the hall of famers from chalk line. I was wearing them. You'll be able to see it on the video. As a matter of fact, if you are uh, a member at patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling, if you are a show already, you'll get to see the video as you hear this of me talking to Alexa bliss this week at Caroline's. You'll notice I'm wearing that beautiful, not Sam black satin chalk line jacket. The only place you can get that is on the Patreon page by becoming a not Sam wrestling hall of fame shill. Okay. So all that's available. That's what we're creating. You can go on. If you're a patron, if you're a patron, if you're a not Sam shill, at patreon.com slash wrestling, then you can pick. You want more stuff? You want less stuff? You want me to add stuff? I will listen to all of you. We'll have an open line of communication. It'll be great. Go to patreon.com slash wrestling. I want to create this world for you. I want you to be a part of it. So sign up uh, uh, and uh, be a part of the fun. All right? And speaking of fun, hope you guys, by the way, enjoyed the new theme song. We got all new production. Um, 
Big shout-outs to Howard Finkel. I haven't spoken to him. You know, I sent him an email about this, but he didn't get back to me. I've heard he's not uh, doing too well. You know, I've talked, spoken to a couple people. So, you know, we're really thinking about Howard Finkel here. He's a, he's a really, he's a wonderful man. Um, and, you know, I, I love having him be a part of this thing. And that's why, even though I didn't uh, have new stuff from him, I wanted, to ke- I wanted to make sure that I kept his voice on the production for the podcast. I also wanted to combine this the stuff on this podcast, uh, old and the new, right? The Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast becoming the Not Sam Wrestling Podcast. Old and new, so you'll hear elements of the old stuff uh, combined with the new stuff. It's great. Let's get into it. The interview this week, live from Caroline's on Broadway, is Alexa Bliss on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Ladies and gentlemen, the Raw Women's Champion, Alexa Bliss. Yeah, you can sit down. Make okay. yourself comfortable, Alexa. Make yourself comfortable. Welcome, and thank you for being here. That's, uh... I appreciate you thinking I'm that tall, but... <laughs> well, welcome. Um, thank you. And thank you for being here. This is a big, big week for you, and I appreciate you making the time. Um, has it clicked in yet? I mean, I know it's early in the week technically, but has it clicked in that... You're about to have you, one of the biggest good? matches. I'm great. Okay. I'm great. I'm the last professional broadcaster. I don't know if anybody told you. <laughs> <laughs> Has it clicked in yet that you're about to have one of, if not the biggest matches of your career on Sunday? Um, yes and no. You know, I think of every match as, you know, one of the biggest opportunities of my career because, you know, with WWE or anything, if you don't deliver on the opportunity, the opportunity may never come back again. Um, But I'm especially excited for this match because, you know, it is against Ronda Rousey, who has made a name for herself in UFC, you know, Hall of Famer, and she's an amazing athlete. And I'm just really excited to see how it's going to go. You know what I mean? Because, like, I mean, if you look at me in WWE, I haven't been the toughest champion. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like there's ways around it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, right. like, I can be quicker than her, I think. I can be... <laughs> Theoretically, right? <laughs> yeah. I can be smarter than her. Right. And, you know, I can just, you know, watch, watch her flaws, exploit them, and use them to my advantage. Right. Look, you've been, you've been champion more times than she has. Exactly. So that's a win in your column. Exactly. You, you know, know I, I understand she's had, like, three matches. Right. Five-time right. champion. So there is a difference. Do you know what I'm saying? There is a difference. <laughs> what, what did... Uh, you all in the locker room think, because I can only speak from the fan perspective, that there was this sort of, I don't know, this feeling of we don't know how well Ronda's going to do in a WWE ring because, you know, WWE and UFC is so different. Um, And I think that I can speak for all fans when we watched her at WrestleMania and everybody was kind of blown away by how good she is at this. What was the feeling with you in the locker room before the WrestleMania match and then once you saw it? Um... Personally, like I can't speak for the whole locker room, but personally for me, I was really excited to see her in the ring because, you know, she is one of the top athletes in the world and is deemed, you know, the baddest woman on the planet. And to watch someone at her caliber train 
differently and go through the hard work, go through the struggle to do what we do, I feel like it just legitimizes what we do even more. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. in, a, in a way, because a lot of people, you know, have their opinions on WWE and UFC and the difference between that. But when you take their top athlete and put them in our ring and see them succeed, it shows, you know, that the training may be different, but it's just as hard in the same way. And so I was personally excited to see how she was going to do in WrestleMania because, you know, I feel like Ronda's what we needed for the women's evolution right now because, you know, we have women from every background imaginable, every athletic background, you know, or, you know, any, anything really. And to have someone like her, we don't have that yet. So for me, I was really excited because that's what the evolution is about is bringing in diverse group of women from every background and, put them in the ring and see what happens. And I, yeah. I personally, I was really excited about that. And I think the fact that when you watched her, you could see the commitment that she had to this really legitimized it in the sense that she could. She's got a big name. She's a well-known athlete. She could kind of go in and half-ass and still collect a paycheck, but she didn't. No. Right? Like she went, yeah. you could tell she had gone through the training. She had done the work. And I think that that's what, you know, kind of made women's wrestling in WWE shine so brightly. Oh, absolutely. In that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you... Go into this any differently knowing that mainstream is watching this match like no other match, meaning that there's this interest in Ronda Rousey outside of the WWE world that they want to see what does she do in a WWE ring. And even though we've seen three matches, people who tune into SummerSlam that don't necessarily watch Raw every week are like, I want to see this Ronda Rousey match, and this is the match that you're in. Do you go in any differently? No. With that thought, or is it always no, just No, every of- match is the same. You know, you go in... You do what you're supposed to do. You get in the right focus, the right mentality. I, I treat, so with that, you say there's outside, outside eyes. I get that. But there was also outside eyes at WrestleMania. People who necessarily don't watch Raw or SmackDown, they'll tune into WrestleMania. And when you go out in the crowd, there's 80,000 people. But when you walk into the ring, the ring is the same size. Right. And that's how I think about it. Like, that is home. The ring is home and, you know, it doesn't matter how many people are watching. You hope there's more people watching. I'm glad that there's outside eyes watching because then it brings people into what we do and into the WWE universe. And that's what we need is more people tuning in. And if we have to bring mainstream people in to do that, that's great. Right, right. At what point in your career did you really start to feel like the ring was home? Not in NXT. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's like one of the remarkable things about your career, right? Is that you weren't one of these like people in NXT that people were like, oh, wait till she comes to the main roster. Not at all. Yeah. No. Right. At all. (laughs) Even a little. No. None. Um, (laughs) So at what point did you go like, you know what? This is where I belong. I think during the draft. And it wasn't like, this is where I belong. It's like, I got to show this is where I belong. Because in NXT, obviously, I wasn't a highlighted character. I wasn't a four horsewoman. I wasn't, you know, something that people were excited to see. Um, <laughs> that's a- but that's true. I, I mean- I'll... I'll admit that. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I was a very underwhelming draft pick. <laughs> I was. Um, but... I knew that, you know, I remember my first promo on SmackDown. It was during the draft. I was thinking, okay, if there's one thing I can do, it's somewhat speak on a microphone. And if that's going to set me aside from, because we had every person drafted at the same time. So what's going to separate you from everyone else? And I was like, okay, I can kind of talk some crap. Um, Right. And then my first promo was something like a word like blistertation or blistertation. And I went, what the hell is this? (laughs) And I was like, this is my moment, <laughs> and I'm going to mess up. Right. But 
it was that moment that I was in I was in Gorilla and I was standing back there and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna lie, I know that people are not excited to see me here, so I have to come in under the radar and kick down the door. Right. And show that I deserve to be here. You know, I wasn't an indie wrestler. I wasn't, you know, a four horsewoman. I wasn't featured in. I was never on a takeover match. I never held a title. I was a manager, and so I had to show. You know, I deserve to be here. And if they're not going to see it, I'm going to force them to see it. Did an insecurity ever build up in the NXT run? Like, oh, maybe this is maybe the reason I don't have these matches is because they just don't see that in me, or is that not your personality type? Absolutely. It did. Absolutely. You know, I remember when I was. Um, uh, a good guy. I was wearing tutus and throwing glitter, and glitter, I thought I was a Disney... glitz, sparkle, bliss. Yeah, was that it? That sure was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember. So that was me. Okay, that's the thing. Like I love all things Disney, right. and I love. It was my idea to like throw glitter and wear a tutu. And if you ever look back and see my first tutu, it went down to my knees. It was really embarrassing, but. Did you realize that this was wrestling and you were trying to target Disney fans? Yes. Like when you're like, I know what wrestling fans are like, glitter, there's not enough. But there are children out there who watch. And like, so I'm going to go to the side for a second. And um, so off topic, and then right. we'll, I'll, I'll bring it back around. I trust you. My, uh, my tryout, I was asked why I wanted to be in WWE. And... Mind you, my tryout, I had submitted a video. I was the, apparently the only person that submitted my own video to get the tryout, and it was a casting call, and there's all these models walking around, and I texted my mom. I was like, well, I'm not making it. Um, I texted my mom, and I was like, I'm not going to, this is, I, I'm five foot. These girls are Hollywood models walking around, and uh, they told us do something to make you stand out, and I remember thinking of like American Idol people making themselves look like idiots, so I wasn't going to do that. Um, so I was asked why I wanted to be in WWE and just to get the attention because I, I was, and I was a fan too. You know what I mean? Like I uh -huh. walked in, I saw Triple H. I was like, Oh my God, did you know you're Triple H? And, <laughs> oh, that was me. Totally me. I did that. And, um, did he know? I think so. He did know. Okay. I think okay. so. I think the thought crossed his mind. Uh, but like, I remember these other girls in the trial being like, I have no idea who this guy is, blah, blah. And I was like, I walked in and I almost had a heart attack. I was like, oh my God, you're Triple H. Did you know, did you know you're Triple H and you're in the same room as me? Like I, very embarrassing, but they asked why I want to be in WWE. And so to stand out, I said, I really want to be Tinkerbell at Disney and I'm hoping this gets my foot in the door. Wow. So you did like the Jeff Jarrett bad guy. I'm just here to get into country music thing, but in real life. I. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a joke, okay? It was a joke. They, they probably took up. it as a joke. They, they probably. Did. Like, ah. But it caught their attention. They looked up, and I was like, "I'm totally kidding." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I'm totally kidding." My family and I, we all watch wrestling. Like my my grandma used to scare us with the great Kabuki, tell us that he would come and get us if we didn't behave. And so like I was just like I had my wrestling knowledge, and I was just like I was like, "Well, that'll catch someone's attention." It sure did. Um, well, yeah, I think I think that's the only way you recover from that statement is a reference to the great Kabuki. Yeah, and I was just like, like "This is this is yeah." I was like, "Oh my god!" So that was like. Because I'm kind of a smart ass. And so, like, that was like, I'm not gonna go out there and be like, oh, ha -ha, what, look at me. I have my attention. I was just like, I'm gonna make a smart ass comment and hope it pays off. Right. Um, it did. Uh, but, uh, but then you legitimately transformed that I character did. into a Disney princess. Yeah, so bringing it back around. Right. So I was like, 
I'm going to be Tinkerbell. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to have a, a finisher called a Sparkle Splash. And I'm going to be Tinkerbell. And I'm going to have a move. And I'm going to call it a Glitter Blizzard for why, I don't know. Like, I want you to take no offense to this because you're one of the greats. But that's literally like your aunt's bad ideas. Oh, my gosh. It was terrible. Wrestling. It was terrible ideas. Right. Terrible. What about like a sparkle splash? Does anybody do anything like that? So someone recommended it to me as a joke. <laughs> and I took it seriously. <laughs> I was so embarrassed that after I, I realized it was a joke after. But people still call it that. Like my, the people that I work with, they're always like, oh, do the sparkle splash thing. And I'm like, it's a twisted bliss. And, uh, <laughs> I'm like, those days are gone. But uh, yeah, so when I was throwing glitter and wearing tutus, I was not booked, surprisingly. <laughs> and um, I remember thinking, like, oh, my gosh, this isn't working out. What am I going to do? Like, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm not doing it right. And, you know, these girls that I'm in the ring with are so good, and I'm not, I don't have the experience they have. And, you know, I just had, you know, my gymnastics background to kind of fall onto. And um, I didn't, because I didn't know, like, I'd watched WWE growing up. It was, like, the thing that my family did. But I didn't know that there was, like, wrestling schools. And, like, I didn't know that. I just thought people were WWE superstars. Like, they were born, and one day they became a superstar. I just, <laughs> right. in my mind, that's just how it happened. And that's not how it happens? Apparently not. Oh. And um, I just remember that. And just, I just remember being like, oh, my gosh. And then I was told um, to come up with ideas, different ideas. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound good. Um, <laughs> and so that's when... Um, I pitched to be with Blake and Murphy and we were, we pitched this idea for eight months before it happened. We had an entrance. We did uh, house shows, live event shows uh, at the PC where we would pitch the idea and I would manage them and I would hit the boys with the sparkle splash at the time. And this was like an idea that we really wanted to push for, but I still wanted to be a good guy <laughs> while they were the bad guys. And they were like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Right. So I would actually get really bad anxiety trying to, we'd have to do like heat drills where we would like beat up someone in the ring and I would get mad anxiety over it. And I would, I cried once in the ring. I was like, I can't do this. I don't know. I don't know how to be mean. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> it was bad. Now was and, it, was it the act of being mean that you didn't want to do? Was it, you didn't like people booing you? No, it was, it was the act of being mean. Cause I would just be like, it was very much like Ricky Bobby. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, what do I, what do, I do? Do you know what I mean? Like, when something's so unnatural to you, it, you, just, you just get uncomfortable. And I would clam up. And I would just freak out. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I don't know how to do this. And I would get really bad anxiety. And then when I was put with Blake and Murphy, I was like, okay, I have to do this. I have to run with it or I'm not going to have a job. Right. And I was like, I have to run with it. And I have to try, you know, whatever I can. And I was very grateful to be able to be with Blake and Murphy because I was able to develop the character without having to focus on matches and focus on, you know, storyline and everything like that. So I was able to really develop the Alexa Bliss persona and that was all because of Blake and Murphy. And I have always said I would not be Alexa Bliss without them. And so that's like... Which is why you get to the main roster and you know you can talk so well because you've spent months and months and months and months figuring out exactly what that character is. Yes. So it seems like a lot in your life or at least in your professional life is, is, comes about from film. Because you started, you're like, I'm going to be a good guy. Yeah. It's going to be Disney princess. And then you go, now I need to be a bad guy. Let's go Freddy Krueger. Yeah, exactly. Because that was literally... I mean, what that was, was the, the transition? Yeah, it was yeah. just straight, just like Freddy Krueger. Right. And then, I mean, on the main roster, we've seen Harley Quinn, but we haven't seen a ton of other cosplay movie references. I'd I had Iron Man, Riddler, um, Chucky. Ch I forgot about Chucky. Yeah. So is this something that you wanted to do from the beginning? Like, I want to just pay 
homage to my favorite films. Kind of. It was like one of the, so it was with, uh, we first started the Iron Man stuff with Blake and Murphy, and I was like, are we even allowed to do that? <laughs> and uh, answer is no. Right. Um, <laughs> but you have to go through like a whole like legal thing, and so we were able to make it work, which was really cool. And I just loved it so much, and I love, you know, movies and villains specifically. And I have kind of found my little comfort zone. It was bringing my own personal life into the ring with me. That was like kind of like a, I don't know, like a safety blanket for me, was making the outfits according to uh, characters that I love and would like to portray in my own way. Right. And um, it's, it's always a lot of fun, too. And it's, it's really cool because, you know, I know, like, Rey Mysterio used to do it. And so that was kind of like, I was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And actually, <laughs> when I was glitter glitz, I pitched to have the whole room go blue. And I was like, like Rey Mysterio. And they were like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, what if it rained glitter? And they're like, no. Yeah. Enough with the glitter. Actually, I got banned from using glitter for a little bit because the match after me, Tyler Breeze had uh, glitter all over his back. <laughs> how, how did you get it back? Did they forget that that They happened? made me wear little gloves on my hands to like blow the glitter and then take them off. But they were socks because I never had gloves. So I had to cut socks and just like put them <laughs> <laughs> you know, thrifty. <laughs> I, I do like your commitment, though, to using the glitter. Like, yeah, no, we I was, have like, to I was like, no, watch this. And I like take my socks off. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other movie references that you want to do? Are you doing anything for Sunday? Um, so I have, <laughs> depends on if my gear comes. I see. Uh, so SummerSlam last year, I had a vest made, and it was according to Disney Descendants. Um, last at WrestleMania, um, it was supposed to be kind of like Maleficent-y, but it didn't really come across. Uh, so this one is kind of Ursula themed, Ursula colors. That's very, very exciting. She's the villain from The Little Mermaid. Yeah, the villain from The Little Mermaid. I don't know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the villain from The Little Mermaid. It's the same colors. So when you, you kind of came to the main roster feeling like you had something to prove in the sense that there was all this buzz around Becky Bailey, Charlotte, Sasha. And like, oh yeah, I guess Alexa's here too. At what point did you realize like, no, I've, I've, I've cemented my spot. Um, I don't really think that's a thing. Like, I don't think anyone's really cemented. I feel like you have to prove yourself every opportunity that you get. For me, it's very like, I feel like I can always do better and always, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I don't feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's always going to be, uh, especially like with social media and you know, how passionate the WWE universe is, people are always going to say that you're not deserving no matter what. And so it's my goal is always to be like proving that I kind of am. But right. I don't ever think it's like, oh, I deserve to be here. I'm cemented here. No, I don't think anyone is. You know, everyone has to keep working and keep proving themselves. But you can leave like you go, you can leave night by night and go like, okay, tonight I proved it. Tomorrow I'm going to prove it again. But yeah, then, I guess. You yeah. Know I mean? You know, I think, I think so. I mean, I just, I don't know, I just have a weird mentality. I'm just always like, tonight was a good night. Let's see how I'm going to do tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like how, I don't know. How did you feel when you found out you were going to get your first championship? I was so excited. Yeah. Because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a champion. (laughs) Mind you, I found out a couple minutes before, but. (laughs) It was only a couple minutes. (laughs) Yeah, like, literally, like, earlier that day. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I had to fly my parents in last minute. 
because um, it was like earlier in the day. So I was wow. like, y'all need to catch a flight. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you why. <laughs> um, so my parents were there. You know, it was TLC against Becky Lynch, my first title. And um, I was very excited, you know, because I'd never held a title before. Right. I'd never, I'd never won a match before. <laughs> <laughs> your parents must have kind of suspected something was going to happen, though, if you're flying them in last minute. Well, it was TLC. So maybe it's just a Yeah, you, you know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, you know... Yeah, it was TLC. My mother was a nervous wreck because she was like, are you going to go through a table? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, maybe. Uh, but like my mom's so nervous about everything. And then later that Christmas, side note, she got me the ornaments of TLC, the little tables, ladders, and chairs. And then she gave me a Becky ornament. <laughs> and her reasoning, oh, because you faced Becky at TLC. And I was like, you know I have an ornament. <laughs> but yeah I got a Becky ornament that Christmas <laughs> so is your mom just like loving this entire ride oh my gosh she is the biggest supporter you know when I first told her I was trying out for WWE she said the hell you are she's like you are not you were a fitness model though yes so well, like I didn't model but I competed in fitness I was never oh, the model type yeah you're in better shape than me is what I'm trying to say I was yeah <laughs> I was, keyword. Um, that was like five years ago. Uh, yeah, so I was competing in fitness, and it was after college. You know, I had struggled with some eating issues, and so I started competing to gain weight in a healthy way, and I just became in love with it. And I loved the, you know, the competitiveness of it. And my trainer had told me WWE was having a tryout, and I was like, oh, my God. And so I had to make sure that he was like, yeah, I heard they're having a tryout or a casting call or something. And so I like Googled it and I went on WWE's site and it actually had like a link and it said, do you want to be a WWE superstar? I said, yes, I do. <laughs> so I clicked on it. I made this video, which they showed on table for three. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not happy with it. Yeah. And so this was after I made the video and after I did the whole thing and I was like, mom, I'm trying out for WWE. She was like, <laughs> The hell you are. <laughs> and I was like, why not? And she's like, Lexi, do you remember China? And I was like, yeah. They're like, she's like, you know, big, strong China, six foot China. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And mind you, I'm like, yay big, just right. got out of college. Yeah. Yeah. Glittery and, Tinkerbell. Yeah, yeah exactly. China. Yeah. I think I was wearing uh, sparkly Ugg boots at this, in this, during this conversation. <laughs> and uh, that's actually how I showed up on my first day at NXT, too. It's good. Um, and she was just like, no, you're not doing it. And so then I was like, okay. Sent in the video. Got a tryout. Was signed. But, like, the great irony of the story is that your mom didn't want you to try out because China and these women are so big. And now your mom is excited for you because you're competing against Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Like, I'm like thanks, the mom. greatest female fighter of all yeah. time. And she's like, yeah, go get her. Yeah. It's going to be fun. She was the same, way, like, the same way with Naya. She's like, oh, you've got this. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, six... Six foot girl. She's like, you got it. <laughs> yeah, Ronda Rousey. She's like, just, you know, just get her with one. I don't know. And I was like, yeah. okay. Thanks, did she, mom. Did she realize pretty quick, like, after? I mean, I think parents sometimes have this way of, like, when you're successful at a thing, doesn't matter what it is, they'll be like, this is great. Oh, so yeah. was, it, was it once, like, you got signed up and you're in NXT? Once that happens is when your mom is like, 
Yeah, I wanted this for you the whole time. This is wonderful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When I was a ring announcer, she was one of five people at the shows. You know what I mean? <laughs> like she was like, she had a she she had a sign that said I love the ring announcer. Like she was like, she was full on as soon as I started day one, she was just like, flip the switch. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got this match at SummerSlam. It's, uh, you know, an uh, enormous, enormous match. Uh, did, was fighting Ronda Rousey, competing against Ronda Rousey, was that something that you were like, now that she's here, this is something, I, this, that's a match that I need to have? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, as soon as she was signed, I said, I want to be in the ring with her. I want to be the one. I was saying I want to be the one to beat her, but <laughs> this was before I knew how much of a badass she really is. Yeah. And now I'm like, I I want to I want to beat her. I want to be the one to beat Ronda Rousey. That that's my goal. That's that's what I want to do. Do we think she's going to be able to? I don't. Although I feel like there is a built-in uh, bias. All these people are in the room with you right now. Yeah. Going like, yeah, we think. Someone over in my win. shirt. You know, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in a Ronda shirt here? Any rowdy shirts? I don't see any. I don't see any. Smart answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah. So as soon as I, as soon as she came into WWE, I said I want to have a match with her and I want to be the one to beat her. And you know, it's been a lot of fun having you know the time to be able to say mean things about her, and <laughs> <laughs> and it's just been fun. You know what I mean? Because it's it's fun to like provoke, you know, poke the bear a little bit. Um, <laughs> But no, I'm really excited, um, and you know, it's an honor to be in the ring with so- someone of her caliber and her popularity, and to, I mean, Hall of Famer, and it's awesome, and I think all around, it makes all of us better performers, because everyone has different backgrounds and different styles, so if we can adapt to their styles all around, it makes us better performers. There are many times when you watch Raw in interview segments, when you come out for promos, whatever, not you, but in general, the general you, that the crowd tries to take over, and they've certainly done that in your segments, but you can, not all of them, obviously, but you can, you can watch the faces of performers, and there are performers that you're like, oh, no, they're getting lost. Like, oh, no, the crowd is taking over. And I feel like you're one of the best people at not allowing it. Like, nice. you're, you're able to maintain I appreciate that. control. Do you feel like that's true? I mean, obviously... These people, Thanks, who, by guys. the way, they're clapping now, but they're the exact same people that try to take. I know. I was gonna say, you. I'm pretty sure you guys are the ones that are yelling "what" at me. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean the what. <laughs> like I, I, I interviewed Stone Cold before, like years ago, and I was. It was when the what chants were getting really, really bad. Like they were doing it every segment, and he was like, "All these guys need to do is change up their cadence." Yep. And the what chants go away. Yep. And I'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's that simple. If you don't stop every position like this." There's no more. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's actually been times. It's crazy you say that. Cause there's actually been times where I'm reading over, you know, what I'm going to say. And I say, we need to change this because that opens it up for what's like, I know that has come out of my mouth before multiple times being like, I can't. I Nope. This needs to continue on this way because people are going to start saying what? And then I'm going to have to be a smart ass and say something back. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's true. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to say that word. I apologize. I think smartass is okay. Okay. Yeah, smart. It's one word. It's a compound Sorry, word. I apologize. The, yeah. I apologize. Uh, but do you know what I mean? Like, it's just you got to change up. He's completely right. You have to change up your cadence. You have to not allow that to happen. And you have to take control of the crowd because, you know, there's times where they have, they've scared people. Like, I, the Bailey, this is your life segment. Um <laughs> Even that one, I mean, they've applauded everything you've said so far. Even these guys won't well, applaud. No, 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 no. <laughs> My point. 
the girl that was Bailey's best friend. Um, the crowd was yelling at her and they were like, boring, what? And she had this fear on her face and I felt so bad for this girl because they were just like chanting at her and she just didn't know what to do. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. like, it, there was no hiding it. She, I'm pretty sure she was like, she kept looking down. She kept looking at me like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm just going, it's okay, just keep going. <laughs> I'm like, they'll stop. Just keep going. And it was just so crazy because, like, it's crazy to see, you know, how trained our athletes are because our athletes are trained to take control of that. It's amazing. And, you know, they, these actors that came in, they had no idea what to do. But, like, it just shows that, you know, our training at the performance center and promo classes and, you know, having Dusty there and everyone helping us take control of any situation and tell, think, having us think on our feet, it shows that, you know, what we do takes a skill. And yeah. And being able to adapt and, you know, talk to the crowd during during the promos and, you know, let them in on it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love being that I love having the crowd in on what I'm saying. Is that a tremendous amount of pride? Like when you when you go back after a segment like like a, like that, you've that you've won the crowd back when you're like, I know there was a moment here that they tried to sabotage and it was still successful. I turned them around. I got them back and I got the message out. Is that this tremendous like not that many people can do that. Um, I think for me, it's, it's like definitely like one of those like pat on the backs, like, heck yeah, I did it. <laughs> but like, for me, it's, it's, I want to make sure that I get the point across. I'm trying to tell a story and I want to tell that story. And if the crowd tries to take it over, I try to make it to where the crowd's in on it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, so if they're, if you're not going to let me do it myself, you're going to do it with me. Right. And but we're sure getting that, to the destination. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> right. You know it I not. will turn this car around, but we are getting there. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that's kind of like how, I mean, sometimes it can't be done though. There's even times where I'm just like, this can't be done. I'm, right. I'm just going to keep talking. But even then, it doesn't <laughs> seem like you're shaking. It's just like, you've almost like resigned to the fact that it's like, okay, well, we're going someplace else, but yeah. I'm still, I'll still be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'll be like, I got you. I'll be there. Yeah. We'll get there eventually. If I need to jump in the passenger seat, I'm staying in the front. <laughs> not getting in the back seat. But yeah, I'll but I'm in. going to the passenger seat because I want to. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, my choice. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, I want to open it up to a few of you to ask some questions. We've got a couple minutes for you to ask Alexa Bliss questions. We'll be back with Summer Sam 4 at Caroline's on Broadway. That's Alexa Bliss. You'll get to hear the Q&A in just a minute. Lots more questions to be asked to Alexa Bliss. But before we get there, if you missed any of the events in and around surrounding SummerSlam weekend and you are in New York, you really have no excuse. You'll say, Sam, I couldn't get tickets. I'll say, BS. You know why? Because of SeatGeek, the smartest and easiest way to get tickets every time. You know, football's back. And it's the only place that I can recommend that you would get tickets to every game all season long from look SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites and they grade every ticket based on value that's how SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats in the house that are going to fit your budget you want to go to evolution you want to go to hell in a cell you want to go to a baseball game you want to go to a comedy show you want to go broadway doesn't matter. SeatGeek is what's going to help you out. I've got it on my phone. I use it. They show you all the different seats that are available. There's a seating chart right there. They color code it so you can see if something is not a great value or if it's an excellent value. They guarantee every ticket. I saw, uh, I got a message from somebody that said they were trying to go to Raw this week, but they used a different ticket service 
and they ended up getting there and uh, and, and the ticket was double sold. They couldn't get in. It's never going to happen because at SeatGeek, all the tickets are absolutely guaranteed. It's amazing. And if you don't believe me that you're going to get the best value, what if I gave you an even better value, huh? Because my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM today. That's promo code SAM, S-A-M, and you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. You'd be a fool not to try. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Let's start the Q&A with our guest this week, Alexa Bliss. Kathy Kelly, our grandmaster of ceremonies, is here. She's walking around. I'm giving her free reign so you cannot accuse me of bias. And uh, Kathy, uh, who do you choose? My name is Rafik Louison, and my question to you, Alexa Blitz, looking fine today. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Somebody advised him to stop shooting his shot. <laughs> How do you feel about going up against Ronda Rousey this Sunday? Um, I'm excited, I'm nervous, and I think that I am very known for not having the cleanest tactics of winning a match, so I may have to resort to that. Do you worry with somebody like Ronda Rousey that some of the stuff she does might hurt a lot? Next question. Yeah. <laughs> we have Alex from New Jersey. Hello, how's it going? Um, I just want to know, you guys are always on the road. Does that not drive you crazy? So, before WWE, I was such a homebody. Like, I never left... I didn't leave Columbus until I had my WWE tryout. Like, I, I was home 24-7. Uh, there was, during the draft, so we travel every week of the year, all year round, um, but there was, when we had the draft and the superstar shakeup uh, last WrestleMania, they took us off the live events for that one week. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. I have a weekend at home. I get to hang out with my pig, you know, and just like, <laughs> you know, like whatever, life stuff. I was home for two days, and I was like, I should be in Greensboro or something. You know what I mean? I, I got antsy, and you just become so accustomed to it that I felt out of place being at home. And it's, it's crazy because it's the new normal. And I personally love it because we get to go all these different places. And, you know, as long as you can pack enough to live out of a suitcase, it's, it's great. I personally, I, I love it. What's the schedule like? Is it, I mean, people talk about the performance center schedule being a lot. You yep. know, there's, I mean, because there's a lot to learn in a yes. short amount of time. What is the, the, the NXT performance center schedule? How does it compare to the full-time on-the-road schedule? So they're both very difficult mm -hmm. in completely different ways. So the NXT schedule is six days a week. Um, sometimes you're there from 8 a.m., then you go straight to a show, and you're not home till 1 a.m. So that's six days a week. On the road... To give you kind of like an insight on my Friday, I travel on Fridays, come home on Tuesdays. Um, Friday, normally our flights are about 5, 6 a.m. So you're up at 3, you're at the airport by 4, you fly in to the town, you try to find food, you go straight to the show, usually we get there about 5 p.m. The show ends around 10, 30, 11, and then you usually have a three to four hour car drive after that. So you're not getting home, getting to your hotel until 1, 2 a.m. So that's a 23 hour day. Now, that's four days a week. And then... Every other week? No, every week. <laughs> Just wanted to make that every, clear. Yeah. Every week. And so when you come home, Tuesdays, I'm asleep. 
<laughs> I'll wake up for SmackDown, but then I go back to sleep because you're so sleep deprived and um, you're just constantly going, 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 going. And then Wednesdays, you're catching up on your laundry and packing for the road. And Thursday, um, I just kind of chill out. And then Friday, you're back on the road again. Unbelievable. But Wednesday is your day. Yeah, Wednesday's my day. Yeah. Wednesday's my Netflix, Uber Eats, in my Snuggie. Hey, you know, just doing my own thing, and I love it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Kathy? We are with 11-year-old Kevin from the Bronx, and this is his third summer Sam. Oh. Look at you. Yeah, buddy. What is your favorite I'm raising these children. What was that? What's your favorite WrestleMania? Your Ooh. favorite WrestleMania. I'd have to say my favorite WrestleMania in general was 30, but in my career was last year because uh, I got to do that really cool entrance. Yeah. That yeah. was so cool. <laughs> I was terrified. Uh, but no, it was really cool. Uh, I loved last year's WrestleMania because it was in Orlando and my family got to be there and it was just, it was a lot of fun. Like last year's, like I had, so <laughs> I didn't know in Orlando WrestleMania or yeah, not this past one, the one before that. Right. I didn't know I had pyro. <laughs> and you can see it on film so it was so funny because like uh, all the other girls got pyro and I was like that's crazy they got pyro and I was like do we get pyro and like the other girls were like no I don't think we get pyro and I walk out and there's pyro and I jump because <laughs> no one told me that I was going to have fireworks going off behind me <laughs> it was a cool surprise but you see me jump about a foot Everybody's on the entrance go back and watch yeah now. yeah it was in Orlando uh and then this past year, it was really cool. Cause, and they, they're both so special because I got to go in as champion on both ones. Now, I, I have bad luck at WrestleManias. I can't retain my title at WrestleManias. I think it's the nerves. You know what I mean? Such a grand <laughs> stage. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, really cool. And it's really, I don't know. They're just so special because, like, when you go in as champion, that's, like, awesome. And I just, I don't know. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Okay. Now, WrestleMania 30, was the, that's when you did the Triple H Triple H entrance, yeah. Okay. So that, and that brings me to. That was to my favorite one to a question about, uh, of course you develop a relationship with Triple H over the years in NXT. When you graduate from NXT, for lack of a better term, I guess, and go to the main roster, you know, obviously Triple H is there, but now Vince McMahon is there too. What is, for you, the transition like from, you know, having won over Triple H through your work to now also winning over Vince McMahon? Or had he already been won over from your previous work? I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know how to answer that. I don't know. I mean you just kind of keep your head down and do your matches and as long as things are going good, things are going good. I mean, I always ask for feedback. Yeah. I always ask for feedback on um, you know, promos and matches and everything like that and I I feel like it's more of like a I'm not trying to win over, I'm trying to learn. Right. Do you know what I mean? Learn right. from them because you know, obviously they know what they're doing. Um and when you can get the information directly from the people who know, it's, it makes your working relationship that much better. Right. And that's just kind of how I always try to go for advice. And because you never stop learning. doesn't matter how much time you t do in NXT. You never stop learning. Makes sense. Kathy? We are with Brandon from New Jersey. How did, uh, how did you learn how to do the creepy arm thing? The creepy arm thing. <laughs> <laughs> It's a gift. <laughs> no, um, so when I was in gymnastics, I, I've always been like very 
hyper flexible in my elbows and when I was in gymnastics my coaches used to actually have to stretch them like over like I'd be standing behind them and they would have my arm and they would pull it in front of them to stretch it like my arms like this and they're just like pulling it and stretching it because if not my elbows would like lock out and they would hurt so I'd have to keep stretching them out because if not like they would like lock up and like get all sore and or would like get jolted so yeah it's just kind of something that I've just always been able to do and then I realized uh it helps me win matches. <laughs> <laughs> there was an audible gasp in here when you just did like just a little bit. Of it. <laughs> All right, we have time for two more questions because Alexa Bliss is her SummerSlam week. She's very, very busy. We're with Keanu from Brooklyn. I have a question. Um, who was your uh, childhood hero wrestler growing up? Trish Stratus and Rey Mysterio. Good answer. Good answer. And let's go to our final question. Yeah. She's adorable, though. <laughs> I think Alexa wants you to ask. Hi. What's your name? Riley. 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 What's your question for Alexa Bliss? She has, a, she has an Alexa Bliss shirt. I so saw Riley that. You look fantastic, and I like the pigtails. <laughs> How old is Riley? How old are you? Eight. Aw. Eight years old. I appreciate you being here. Do you have anything <laughs> you want to ask Alexa Bliss, Riley? What? <laughs> I thought you could See, avoid that. She's picking that. up. She's yeah. picking up on it quick. <laughs> Y'all taught her the what chance, didn't you? <laughs> What's your favorite match? Your favorite match? That's actually a great question. Your favorite match in your WWE career has been what? Survivor Series against Charlotte. Oh. That has been... That was my favorite. Now, um, <laughs> I want everybody uh, to take a second. Alexa Bliss just explained her schedule to you guys. You understand that... SummerSlam weekend, that whole ske- the schedule that you just described, that's easy. SummerSlam weekend yeah. is where it gets. That's when it insane, gets crazy. Yeah. Right? I mean, you were just like, there's, there's no sleep. No. There's no anything. It's just go, go, go. Caffeine and, and concealer. <laughs> the girls know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but she still made time for all of us here at SummerSlam 4. So let's give a giant round of applause to Alexa Bliss. Alexa, we thank you for being here. Thank you. So thanks to Alexa Bliss. And before we go any further, I wanted to take a second to talk about something that's a little more serious. Um, I think at this point, everybody kind of knows the risks of driving drunk, right? You could get in a crash, you could get hurt, or you could get killed. But let's take a moment and let's look at some surprising statistics that I have in front of me. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Okay, think about that over the course of this podcast, right? If we go two hours, that's two people since you've been listening to the show. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, which is good, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Many people are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous. In 2015, for example, 42% of drivers killed in crashes, tested positive for drugs. It's not so harmless after all, you know? And get this, from 2007 to 2015, marijuana use among drivers in, uh, killed, killed in crashes doubled. The truth is, driving while high is deadly. You can hurt yourselves, you can hurt other people. It makes absolutely no sense. When we have all this information, it's about as foolish as you could get, okay? Stop kidding yourself. 
If you're impaired from alcohol or drugs, just don't get behind the wheel. You're not going to be the exception. If you feel different, you drive different. Get high, get a DUI. Drive sober or get pulled over. Here is Sam Roberts. Thank you, Fink, and thank you to Alexa Bliss for being a part of this thing. Uh, it was really fun getting her, getting to do that with her at Caroline's on Broadway. So fun seeing all of you guys come out for it, too. It really is one of my favorite things to do every year. It's always very stressful. It's always a lot to get done. But when it does happen, uh, I get very, very excited. Uh, hit me up if you want to see it happen again, if you want me to uh, keep doing these live events. There are certainly venues that are interested. Uh, I'd love to know. You can email me, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Uh, if there are cities other than New York that you want me to go to, or if you want me to do more shows in New York, uh, let me know, and I'll do everything that I can to satisfy you. Because um, that's the type of guy I am. I'm a good guy like that. Uh, you know, a lot going on this week. Of course, SummerSlam and TakeOver over the weekend in Brooklyn. I really, like, I can't tell you enough how mind-blowing it is to be able to be a part of this stuff, to be able to be a part of SummerSlam, to be able to be a part of TakeOver Brooklyn. You know, I, I went to Raw as a fan on Monday night, uh, and I bought a SummerSlam program while I was there. And to open up that SummerSlam program, turn over to the announcers section and see a photo of yours truly, right there actually next to Kathy Kelly, who I did radio with before any of this was happening. It's truly unbelievable. And I mean, it, it's a dream come true. And I want to thank... WWE and and Michael Cole and and uh, 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 Mike Mansuri and Pat McAfee and Charlie Caruso and Renee Young and Booker T and David Otunga and everybody JBL Rosenberg everybody um, for for being a part of that I, I felt like it was some of the funnest kickoff shows that we've done especially since I started um, and and just had a great time I mean you really know what a great time that I had if you have Sirius XM because on Monday's show coming back from SummerSlam I talked the whole story about how uh, I had to help Pat McAfee back to his room on Friday night alongside the world's strongest man. That's a whole story. I mean, if you haven't heard that story, maybe I'll do it as a bonus show or something on Patreon because I went into the whole thing on Sirius. So if you got Sirius, you can find uh, the show that I do, uh, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts On Demand, and you can hear that whole story. Or I'm sure Pat talked about it on his show too. But he, I mean, so there uh, more and more you are asking about that because this is now the third show that we've done together. And I absolutely adore doing those takeover shows with Pat. You know, I, the, the, the back and forth that I'm able to have with him, the fact that I'm able to throw ridiculous stuff at him and know that he's going to go right for it, pick it up every time. The fact that I can hit him with a, you should put on your big boy pants and stop wearing those short shorts. And immediately he's going to stand up, whether William Regal is sitting with us or not, and show off the fact that he is indeed wearing short shorts. But I do want to say this about Pat McAfee. You know, uh, at, the, at, the, at the takeover uh, in, uh, uh, in New Orleans, or not New Orleans, no, it was the takeover in Chicago for Money in the Bank, he said he was wearing a jort suit, but it was really just a shirt, a blazer, and a pair of jorts. It wasn't a suit. This time... He said it was a short suit. I said, no, it isn't. He said, feel it. And I felt his shorts. They were suit shorts. Absolutely was wearing a short suit this time. So I do want to say that about Pat McAfee. But it was, uh, it was a blast getting to do uh, that show and, of course, the SummerSlam kickoff. Uh, it was amazing. It's an amazing thing to be able to do every single time. Uh, I thought the crowds in Brooklyn, 
You know, I was surprised even Monday. I, I didn't I wasn't there live on Tuesday. But you always worry that there's gonna be fatigue in the audience after four shows in the same building because so many of the fans are going back every single night. But man, I was there on Monday. It looked pretty full to me. Uh, everybody was uh, loud. And part of that is because WWE is actually doing a pretty interesting, good and interesting job at telling stories. I think there was an enthusiasm from people coming off of SummerSlam in the sense that even if you weren't satisfied with it, even if you didn't love what happened, stuff happened. It wasn't sort of like same old stuff. It was, okay, there's something to talk about here. And I think the same thing coming off of Raw, the end of that Raw show, unbelievable, unbelievable, exciting, so, so cool. Uh, You know what? Let's go ahead and get into it. Let's get in to this week's State of Wrestling on Not Sam Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Yes, it is time for the State of Wrestling. Of course, we're on camera for our patrons, our, our Not Sam Shills over at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. So if you need to, if you feel the need to see this, you can uh, if you're Not Sam Shills. So go to patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. All right, you know what we do here on State of Wrestling. We go down what are, according to me, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, the top five stories of the week in the world of sports entertainment and professional wrestling and we break them down a little bit. So let's get into it. Let's not waste any time. Let's go to story number five. And story number five, the story that I want to start with is SummerSlam. SummerSlam went down on Sunday from the Barclays Center. Um, people were saying, what did you think of SummerSlam? Now, for me, because of the position that I'm in, I have to word my tweets very carefully. Because if something weird happens at the end of SummerSlam, you know what? Something amazing could happen at the end of SummerSlam. And I could just type out on Twitter, oh, SummerSlam was amazing. The first thing, I mean, I, I just get inundated with like, well, of course you think it's, an ama- it's amazing. That's what your paychecks say. Of course you think it's amazing. You're a WWE show, which is what I'm going to start saying when you start going like, oh, Not Sam Wrestling is amazing. And I'll go, well, of course you think it's amazing. You're a Not Sam show. But that's a, that's a positive when I say it. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I thought... SummerSlam was really good, especially for a six-hour show. I felt the energy in the crowd was good, and the only reason the energy in the crowd is good is because of pacing. It feels to me like WWE is starting, maybe not quite there, but is starting to learn how to properly pace a show that's that long on a regular basis. You know, it used to be you'd never have a show this long. Then it was maybe once a year. Now... You're looking at four-hour shows on the reg. You're looking at six-hour shows, what? I would say four times a year minimum, but when you start adding up, the, the you go to the Saudi Arabia show, you go, I'm sure the Australia show is going to be long, all the international shows. You're looking at what could be, that's six right there. As many, It could be up to eight. Who knows? They're going to keep doing these shows And why not, with the WWE Network, just keep pumping out content. It's only making the value better. But I think that they're getting better about pacing, uh, what what the pacing of a show like this looks like. You know, I think the matches, for the most part, 
we're pretty much where they should be. Of course, you know, we're like, we don't want Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar to headline the show, generally. We want to see AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. I know I did. I say we because I heard that a lot. Like, of course you want the WWE Championship to headline the show and a match like AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. But realistically, that's not going to happen. And for storyline purposes and the way that, that WWE wants certain superstars to be perceived, I thought the match order was very, very good. I thought the show was very, very good. Not Well, I'm not even going to say not great. I thought the show was very, very good. Okay? You want to talk about the negatives? Um, you know, I think that Ronda Rousey winning the Raw Women's Championship was a good thing. By the way, if you go back and you watch SummerSlam, you can see that... I forgot what I was going to say. Never mind. I, we go back and watch SummerSlam anyway. But I think that Alexa Bliss probably not. I, I don't think Alexa Bliss should have gotten squashed as much. You know, I get why, but I don't think that Alexa Bliss should have gotten zero offense. I think Alexa Bliss should have gotten a little bit more offense. And as much as I don't think there's a ton you could do to really hurt Ronda Rousey's perception at this time, I think that fans are so impressed with what she does in the ring that you're going to have a pretty high level of praise. But I, I, I think when you take somebody like Alexa Bliss, who generally speaking, even though she's a bad guy and fans boo her, everybody loves Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss is amazing. I mean, nobody, nobody on the roster, male or female, has improved from NXT to the main roster the way Alexa Bliss has. And that's not just booking. That's in the way she does her thing, in the way she competes, in the way she wrestles, in the way she does promos. Everything just keeps getting better and better with Alexa Bliss. And I think if you have situations like Ronda Rousey squashing people like that, who we really love, you're going to end up with maybe a little bit of resentment. So I think that that's something uh, that, generally speaking, WWE needs to be careful of when presenting Ronda Rousey. And I would have liked if there had been, not a ton, but maybe a little bit of danger. Maybe a moment or two when we saw one of the dirty tricks that Alexa Bliss had uh, up her sleeve. Maybe one of the moments where we're like, okay, maybe Ronda Rousey was underestimating Alexa Bliss just for a moment before Ronda Rousey comes back and dominates because I do think that Ronda Rousey needs to dominate. Um, and I thought I couldn't believe the ending of the show. What a, what a, what a sneaky little trick the ending of that show was. where Because to me... I really thought Braun was still going to cash in. By, the, by Raw the next night, I kind of got what was going on. But even though Brock Lesnar, and what a throw on that briefcase. First of all, I like Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns matches. Not in the sense of necessarily, you know, I, I would rather have Braun Strowman beat Brock Lesnar. I would probably rather have Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar. But just in terms of, of watching matches, I enjoy, Roman Reigns doesn't really get enough credit for the matches that he pulls out, I don't think. I think Roman Reigns is a tough SOB. And Roman Reigns will scrap. Roman Reigns will fight. Roman Reigns will have a brutal, brutal match. And I really like seeing Roman and Brock come to blows. And I talked about this I, I, at this point probably a year or more ago when Roman was on the podcast about how that first WrestleMania match that they had, not this year, but a couple of years ago, when, as soon as they got in the ring and they started throwing fists, it was the real deal, man. It, they were not pulling punches. It was for real. Um, and I think that that happens when those two get in the ring together. You saw blood at, at WrestleMania. You saw real 
sort of, you saw a fight at SummerSlam, and I like that. I liked when Brock Lesnar got out of the ring. It's amazing to watch him throw stuff. It is amazing to watch Brock Lesnar throw things. The, at, how far he threw that briefcase was the, is amazing, unbelievable. He threw it so far that it broke the pixels on the entrance ramp, and he did it from the ring apron. I don't know if you guys realize how far that is when you're watching on TV, but really a crazy feat of strength. What I didn't expect was, for, I was okay, Roman Reigns winning, I was like, okay, you know, if you asked me to put money on it, I would have had Brock Lesnar just going over clean, just to leave everybody confused again. Roman Reigns winning the title, I was like, that's a big risk, but you quelled that concern in my belly by having Braun Strowman come out, and I think that Braun saying he was going to fight the winner of the match is way better than Braun making a triple threat match. You know, because then the attention's on Braun. First of all, the way the story played out, of course you couldn't have him do a triple threat match. It didn't make any sense. But regardless, I, I think that especially because Seth Rollins made a match, a triple threat match, when he won the WWE Championship, and I don't know if you remember this, Seth Rollins was a chicken bad guy at the time. Seth Rollins was being a bit of a worm when he did it that way. I love the idea of Braun coming out and saying, like, I'm going to fight the winner. And he's on the outside of the ring the whole time. It certainly, I'll tell you what that did and why WWE is so smart. It made everybody interested in the match, right? That They didn't take a big crap on the match. And the trick of the century. People really thought that Braun Strowman was going to cash in. So they weren't booing Roman Reigns all that much. And what happens? They turn the show off before the boos start coming in, which we talked about this when Roman Reigns first started getting booed at the Royal Rumble. The thing is, well, that's just Philly. It's not just Philly because when a crowd boos somebody on pay-per-view, on Raw, on something like that, that sound travels through the microphones that are attached to the cameras and into our ears. And whether we're in New York or Philly or, or Saudi Arabia, we hear the way the fans react. And it cues us to let us know, oh, we're booing Roman Reigns now. So it's important regardless of what city you're in because we live in a global world where the reaction that one small group will have makes a huge impact on what the larger group feels and, 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 and reacts to audibly. Even if they like Roman Reigns, the fact that the boo sound has now been cued with him, it's almost Pavlovian. You got to boo him. Um, so I thought it, it was diabolically brilliant that they ended the show this way. Not fair, parlor trick, but diabolically brilliant. Um, you know, I, I thought that the Kevin Owens squash, while completely unfair to Kevin Owens, I didn't like it when it happened because I love Kevin Owens so much, but I guess I understand that they needed that squash to happen so that Braun Strowman could look strong so that he could show up in the main event. You know, I think we're at a place now where Braun Strowman, because this Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar thing has been going on so long, and because the WWE wanted to keep Braun Strowman away from Brock Lesnar because they wanted to concentrate on Roman, that we now have to go into this space of reminding people how dominant Braun Strowman is. Braun Strowman is not the stereotypical big man attraction athlete. He's a big man main event athlete, okay? This is not Andre the Giant WrestleMania 1 and 2. This is Andre the Giant WrestleMania 3 all the time where we have to be reminded that when people get these hands, it's bad news for them. 
So I think that, that Kevin Owens uh, had to take the bullet for that. But, you know, I thought that the Becky Lynch heel turn was amazing, and we'll talk about that, whether or not it was a real heel turn. We'll talk about that later on here in the segment. Um, I found uh, the Seth Rollins-Dolph Ziggler match with Dean Ambrose. First of all, I don't know, and you saw this, and we'll talk, of course we're going to talk about the Shield reunion, but I don't know that there is anybody that's quite as over as Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose right now. I mean, I was in the audience at Raw this week, and the sound of Brooklyn shouting, burn it down, only to get even louder when that dirt bike cues in and Dean Ambrose is coming out. It's amazing. It's remarkable. And uh, I'm glad that the WWE is capitalizing on that because Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose are as popular right now as they have ever, ever, ever been. And Rollins is probably doing the best matches of his career. I think the Rollins-Ziggler series is going to be looked back on very, very fondly. And I think this SummerSlam match uh, was right on par, if not better, than all the matches that they've been having. Rollins and Ziggler completely tore the house down. And absolutely, you know, they went on early, and it's a long show. So at the end of the night, some people aren't really thinking about it anymore, but they should be. Because Rollins and Ziggler, absolutely a brilliant, brilliant match at SummerSlam. Other uh, good matches, I thought... um, you know, I talked about the triple threat women's match. The real takeaway was Becky Lynch's turn. Uh, Daniel Bryan versus The Miz was fantastic. Now, um, I, I I thought it was really good. Everything that I'd hoped for. Two weeks before SummerSlam, we talked about how we wanted uh, to be reminded of how important the story was. I think we did that a week before rest, uh, uh, SummerSlam at SmackDown with that three-part series. I think we did a pretty good job of that at SmackDown. I think, well, I say we because I, I just use that pronoun. It's the wrong pronoun, but the WWE did. I think, well, I, I'll properly use the we when uh, I talk about the kickoff show at SummerSlam. If you were watching that, not only was there a nice four minute package describing the Daniel Bryan Miz story, but the conversation that we had at the table with David Otunga talking about NXT, with me bringing up the fans and how they thought that it was ridiculous that The Miz and Daniel Bryan were paired. Booker T bringing up The Miz being thrown out of the locker room. You know, I just thought that 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 added to it a lot. And then I thought at the pay-per-view itself, when they played that video package, um, it was good. And then the story that unfolded as the match happened, you felt what Daniel Bryan was talking about last week on this podcast. You felt how badly Daniel Bryan wanted to punch The Miz in the face. You felt how The Miz was trying to escape him, but at the same time felt like he was better than him. And the way The Miz won with help from his wife, with a foreign object, classic bad guy stuff. He got the perfect reaction to it. It was booze because we're booing the bad guy, not because we're booing the product. And The Miz is one of the very few people on that roster. The Miz and Alexa Bliss and Baron Corbin, to tell you the truth, are three of the very few people not only on that roster, but anywhere in wrestling that can pull off being a proper bad guy. It's very, very difficult this day and age. Even Ciampa, we'll talk about TakeOver, but even Ciampa is starting to have some trouble with that. Miz, Alexa Bliss, and Baron Corbin all do an amazing job of pulling off being a true bad guy that fans will pay money to boo. That's the whole idea of it all. Um, 
Yeah, but I thought the Miz and Daniel Bryan match was pretty brilliant and lived up to expectations. I love that the Miz won. He says he's not giving Daniel Bryan another match ever, but we know at Hell in a Cell they're doing the mixed tag, which I think is smart. And then we've already found out at Super Showdown in Australia there is going to be another Daniel Bryan-Miz match. This match, the winner will get a title shot. So, you know, again, this goes right back to my plan, what I think should happen. I think at Super Showdown, the Miz needs to beat Daniel Bryan again. Daniel Bryan should not beat the Miz at any point until it's time. Miz should get that title shot against AJ Styles. That match should happen at Survivor Series. Miz should win the title at Survivor Series. Bryan should win the Royal Rumble in January. Bryan should win the title from the Miz at WrestleMania 35 in MetLife Stadium. That's how I see it going, and that's why I'm okay with there being another Daniel Bryan Miz match at Super Showdown. But Super Showdown should be it until WrestleMania in April in uh, New York, New Jersey, as the state has become known by the WWE. So, I also thought, and this is why I think I like SummerSlam, it's because of the Becky Lynch thing, it's because of Rollins and Ziggler, it's because of Miz and Daniel Bryan, and it's because of AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. You talk about a match delivering. You talk about a match being so good that even a disqualification ending couldn't damage it. I mean, Joe is so good at making things personal. AJ having his wife and children in the audience, Joe doing that amazing promo before the match, and then grabbing the mic to really bring the fire out in AJ Styles. I mean, if you don't care about this rivalry, I don't know what's wrong with you. They did such a good job of extending it on SmackDown when AJ Styles says he's going to kick Joe's ass, and Joe pulls him right off the podium and goes, what are you going to do? You believe Joe. In fact, there's a great, the the Samoa Joe Chronicle, the documentary that's on the WWE Network right now, it's this amazing, Joe does such a good job of being real life while staying in character. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. It is so good. I was so happy with the Samoa Joe AJ Styles match. I went out onto the floor to watch Daniel Bryan versus The Miz and AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe uh, with the audience at in the Barclays Center, and I am so glad that I did because, man, two absolute barn burners, and to me, for me, that's what made SummerSlam. I thought the things that I liked, AJ and Joe, Miz and Daniel Bryan, Becky Lynch, uh, Rollins and Ziggler, all of those things trumped the things that I didn't like, which were the squash matches and the trickery at the end. You know, you can't love everything, but I liked way more than I didn't like. I thought the four hours went very quickly as compared to how it could have gone. And, you know, I I think that, that for the most part, everything kind of mattered. Everything felt like it mattered. And so, you know, on that note, I think it was successful. Let's get to story number four which is NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Of course, TakeOver Brooklyn had a huge, um, had a lot to live up to, a huge amount to live up to for a couple reasons. Number one, because TakeOvers have been so good. Number two, because you had Gargano and Ciampa for the third time and the first two matches were so great. And number three, because TakeOver Brooklyn is supposed to be the best show of the year. Um, I thought that the match that was going to steal the show was the tag team match. I was wrong. It was a decent match. It didn't steal the show. For me, the match that stole the show 
was Adam Cole versus Ricochet. I mean, I was talking to Adam Cole after the match, and they've only wrestled each other like three times. Ricochet wasn't, they weren't even doing that match on, on the live events. Ricochet hadn't been wrestling on the live events. This was his first match in a little bit of time. And just execution to perfection. I mean, it was, it was, it was an amazing, amazing match, especially for guys who, on paper, you might be worried had contrasting styles. But when they got in the ring together, man, did those styles complement each other. Of course, you talk about the springboard moonsault and the way that, I mean, it was just hit with such precision. And that's another thing I was talking to Adam Cole about. He was talking about uh, being in the ring with Ricochet and how when he, do, he did, so <laughs> I talked to both guys, right? Adam Cole was saying that Ricochet moves so amazingly and so slowly that he's doing this springboard moonsault, but he's like gliding through the air and it gives you time to kind of line up perfectly. And that's why he said he was able to hit Ricochet so perfectly. Whereas Ricochet, when I talked to him, he was like, I don't know, man, maybe it's just because of the way I move, but you know, I was doing the springboard moonsault and as I was going, it felt like it was taking forever. And I was like, am I going to get kicked or what? Oh, there it is. And he got kicked right in the face. But when they did that slow-mo replay and you can see that Adam Cole hit him perfectly, I mean, that's just compliments to both guys. I thought I thought that match was excellent. I thought the women's match was excellent. And I think that the women's match might have might have been the takeaway because it defied expectations so greatly. I thought we saw the Kaidi saying that we've been waiting to see. I think Shayna Baszler just gets better and better and better and better. I'm interested to see what they do with Kaidi Sane as women's champion just because I thought Shayna Baszler as a heel women's champion was so good. You know, was so, so good. Um, and the idea that just the roster could not get that title away from her and she was a bully and she was... I just, I, I really enjoyed Shayna Baszler as champion. So hopefully at some point she'll get that title back. But I'm also such a Kaidi Sane fan and, and the way she's reinvented the, the elbow drop. I, I never thought that that was a move that I would be able to see with a fresh coat of paint. And I really am. So it's really, that was another really cool match. Um, the finish to Gargano and Ciampa. Again, you know, you talk about last man standing matches and you, you talk about being a fan and thinking that you've seen everything. You've seen it all as a fan. And you haven't. To watch that match, to see what those guys did in that match, the finish was so cool. It was just such a perfect Ciampa and Gargano finish. And now... Gargano has beat, I mean, Ciampa has beaten Gargano twice. He's completely within his right to say, I don't want to have to wrestle that guy anymore. And, and Gargano, he was logically the winner, and it was the same as the second one. You're like, come on, no. The way Ciampa just rolled off the stage, except since he was handcuffed, he was hanging up, so technically he was standing. And again, it's Gargano's mistake. The second, of course, the first one, Ciampa made a mistake and Gargano won, right? That's the last time, storyline-wise, that's the last time Ciampa ever makes a mistake because then you go forward to this, to, to, to the second match, Gargano makes a mistake because Ciampa got, got him to get too emotional and he makes a mistake. Ciampa takes advantage, Ciampa wins. Here, at TakeOver, Gargano made a mistake. 
You know what that mistake was? He was, again, he was too emotional. He was too brutal. He's a good guy. He should never handcuff his opponent and leave him helpless and then, you know, try to knock him out. A good guy beats somebody without, doesn't beat a man when he's down. A good guy doesn't handcuff somebody and beat them up. So what did he do? He didn't act like a good guy. And what happened? Ciampa, who is a bad guy, who's going to use every trick, was able to use the trick. Gargano is the one who got the offense in. But because he acted like a bad guy, he didn't know how to take advantage of it. And Ciampa did. And that's why Ciampa is the NXT champion. Um, I'm very, very interested in who ran over or, or who attacked Aleister Black in the parking lot. Maybe it was Rikishi and he did it for The Rock. I don't know. But I, you know, I'm not the one to ask either because I could have sworn that Santa's little helper shot Mr. Burns. I didn't think it was Maggie. So I'm probably not the one to, to ask who beat up uh, Alistair Black. Could be Ciampa, but I feel like it'll probably be somebody uh, a little less easy to predict than that. But who knows? We'll see. But yeah, so everything was good at TakeOver. You know, Velveteen Dream's tights, of course, everybody was talking about those. Um, Triple H, and I didn't talk to Triple H about the tights, you know, but he said in the NXT media call or, or, or press conference or whatever it was after the show that he didn't see those tights until Velveteen Dream was in the ring. He didn't see those tights until, um, until Velveteen Dream was on hard cam. And I believe he also said that there are some calls you want from Vince and some calls you don't want from Vince. Of course, on the back of Velveteen's tights, it said, call me up, Vince. Um, if that's true, it could just be, you know, we're saying that to... Uh, you know, get more character work going for Velveteen. But if that's true, that's a risk that I don't know I would take. I mean, Velveteen Dream is amazing. I feel like if I was as good as Velveteen Dream, I would probably not take as many risks. I don't think you, when you're young and amazing, I don't think taking risks that involve Vince McMahon's name are worth doing. That's just me personally. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong, and this will be the best thing that Velveteen Dream ever did. But if that's true, I was very entertained by it when I saw it. I thought it was awesome. I, but for me, I thought it was even cooler that Velveteen Dream had the Kuji vest on and the crown on, had all the Biggie Small stuff on. I thought that Velveteen Dream has this amazing way of being able to pay homage to the hometown without coming across like a like a, a placating babyface, right? He can still come across like a bad guy but have his Brooklyn stuff on because he has the Biggie Small stuff on, but still somehow comes across like he's above all of it, which is a, a very, very unique talent. You just don't see that very often. But yeah, so that was TakeOver for me. You know, a very, very positive review. Um, was it, I don't know if it was the best TakeOver of the year. I think maybe at the end of the year, I'm going to have to really sort of analyze all the TakeOvers and find out which one is the best one just because they're such great shows. They really, really are great. Uh, let's go to story number three, the injury of Eric Rowan. Apparently, uh, at SummerSlam, I guess, he was either at SummerSlam or could have been, I guess, at the house show on Monday that they did in Atlanta. I mean, Atlantic City, the live event. The SmackDown crew left the Barclays Center after SummerSlam on Sunday, went to Atlantic City for a live event, and then came back for SmackDown at the Barclays Center on Tuesday. So either on Sunday or Monday... Eric Rowan did something that caused a tear in his right bicep. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be out for. Apparently, it is going to require surgery. He's going to have some kind of surgery on it. Uh, it's amazing he was able to wrestle on SmackDown this week anyway. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm glad 
that they didn't, I mean, they just did a tournament, a tag tournament on SmackDown to try to name the number one contenders. Um, so I'm glad that they were able to get one more match out of the Bludgeon Brothers, and this will mean that the Bludgeon Brothers will certainly be looking for revenge when they get back. It's a bummer because you think about it, and this whole thing started, remember Luke Harper was out with an injury, and Eric Rowan ended up off TV. Then Luke Harper came back, and they had Harper and Rowan wrestling dark matches and some live events, but they weren't on TV for months. For months they were not on TV. They finally came back as the Bludgeon Brothers. Go back and listen to the podcast that I did with Luke Harper, and you'll hear you know, the struggle that he was going for and how it was even, it's even worse. I don't remember. I remember asking him, is it worse to be at home and not wrestling or to be ready to wrestle and not know what you're doing? I can't remember what he said. So go back and, and, and watch the interview or, or listen to the interview and you can hear what he said for yourself. But he did talk about the struggle in getting there and I felt like the Bludgeon Brothers had finally, Harper and Rowan had finally found something that to me was clicking. I thought they were a great bad guy tag team. They were super, super dominant, won everything since WrestleMania and before really. Uh, so it really is a bummer to see them go out this way. I was wrong about the New Day breaking up. Maybe the New Day is not breaking up. Maybe they'll just stay together forever. They'll be the one team that just never breaks up. I'm okay with it. If one team is never going to break up, I would probably vote for the New Day or the Good Brothers, <laughs> one of those two. Although it might be entertaining to see Luke Harper versus, I mean, uh, Luke Gallows versus Carl Anderson at some point. I don't know. If there were one team on the active roster that you would have never break up, it might be the New Day or Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But um, New Day are tag team champions once again. You know, and I like, you know, I, I want the bar to get some shine on SmackDown, but I would much rather see the bar and the Bludgeon Brothers than the bar and the New Day again, only because I feel like we just saw the, the, the bar and the New Day wrestled at the last Survivor Series. I think that that's where, uh, uh, I was going to say Claudio, but I think that that's where Cesaro got his teeth banged in. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's where it was, maybe. Um, I might prefer to see the Good Brothers in a situation against the New Day, although the Good Brothers are pretty much good guys now. Like, the Good Brothers are also goofy. And again, I feel like I've seen the Good Brothers in the New Day. I don't know who... Honestly, if you've got the New Day as tag team champions, <laughs> the New Day and the Usos are about as good of a tag team match as you can possibly get, so... I don't know. I, I I would kind of like to see a, a Good Brothers versus Bar tag team championship rivalry. Something like that. I don't know. But congratulations to the New Day. It's cool to see them. And I'm glad that uh, that they did something constructive with the injury of Eric Rowan. I think that that's a good thing. Um, then, story number two for me this week is the Becky Lynch quote-unquote heel turn. Um, I think Becky Lynch is amazing. I think... People have always known she's amazing. It's clear that the WWE isn't ignoring her, right? Like, if you go back to WrestleMania, she was in the Women's Battle Royal. Yeah, so was everybody. But Becky's the one that got the TV entrance. You know, and that means something, I think. Becky's the one that they wanted to put a spotlight on. She didn't win, but that match was about putting the spotlight on probably two people, Becky Lynch and Naomi, who won the thing. By the way, how about one of the biggest things to happen on SmackDown? Can we say congratulations to Peyton Royce for her victory over Naomi? I was so happy when I saw that. I love the Iconics. 
And so the fact that Peyton Royce got that victory over Naomi, I don't know if it had to do with uh, all the controversy that Peyton Royce was involved in on Twitter this week. I sure hope not. I hope it was just WWE going, you know what? These Iconics, this Peyton Royce, they're fantastic. The act is great. They're hilarious. And Peyton Royce is awesome in the ring. That fisherman suplex, that art she can get. Oh, my God, she's good. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do at Evolution in October. I think they're, I'm, I'm such a fan. I think they're awesome. Um, so yeah, you know, I was, uh, I, w- I was, I was happy to see that. But back to Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, uh, the r- reasons that I said are why it's going to be real tough to turn her into a heel. But boy, is she going to try. She's really, really good. Her promo was really good on SmackDown. When she was saying, but like, the promo she was saying on saying on SmackDown almost made it feel like Charlotte got a standing ovation at the Barclays, when in reality, Becky got the standing ovation at Barclays. And when Charlotte got laid out, the crowd was chanting, you deserve it, at Charlotte for getting laid out, not at Becky for not winning the match. So uh, the fans are really on Becky's side. And that's dangerous for uh, uh, for... Something like this. That it's dangerous for this show. I, I, this Becky Lynch heel turn could force the hand at a Charlotte heel turn. I don't. I don't think that Charlotte is going to get like that sort of Roman Reigns. Oh, they think she's the company woman, and we don't like her heat because everybody loves Charlotte because she really is probably the best female on the entire roster and one of the best, if not the best of all time. Maybe she'll probably go down as the best women. Charlotte will probably go down as the best women's wrestler of all time. I think that that's a safe bet. So, you know, I don't think that a resentment will be built against her, but I just don't see a situation where fans are going to boo Becky Lynch. I just don't. And it's not Becky's fault. If anything, she's been so good that it makes it impossible. You know, I just don't. I don't see it. I didn't see it in Brooklyn. I didn't see it in either on SummerSlam or at SmackDown. And and I certainly not at SummerSlam. And people were going nuts. I thought the angle was great. I just thought that the roles were miscast. Because she's right. I mean, we were all kind of sensing. I a lot of fans just wanted to see Becky Lynch beat Carmella for the title. A lot of fans didn't want the triple threat. A lot of fans didn't need Charlotte to win this match. I think Charlotte uh, is going through a rebuilding phase because they had her lose to Carmella a couple times. So again, just like we said with Strowman, they want Charlotte to come across looking good. But I think WWE's got to be careful. Got to be careful about what you're doing with Charlotte because otherwise you're going to get some booze for her, you know? Uh, and the number one story of the week is the Shield reunion. Again, I, I, I here's what I'm happy about. You know, fans boo Roman Reigns, and for a while, it felt like WWE was just ignoring that. The WWE was just pretending it didn't exist and running with Roman Reigns anyway. If they're going to insist on running with Roman Reigns, I would rather that they put in preventative measures so that maybe he doesn't get booed quite as much. You know, there are those that say, well, the Shield is just being brought in, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, so that they can get Roman over. Everything is done to get people over. Everything that they do is done so they can get somebody over. Brock Lesnar beats The Undertaker and everybody else so that Brock Lesnar can get over. 
Stone Cold Steve Austin stuns Vince McMahon so that Stone Cold Steve Austin can get over. The Undertaker comes out to purple lights, lightning bolts, and a flamethrower on the entrance stage so that The Undertaker can get over. The only reason to do anything in wrestling is so that they can, so that people, superstars, get over. So, of course, The Shield is coming back to get Roman Reigns over. It's also going to continue to get Seth Rollins over. It's also going to continue to get Dean Ambrose over. Here's where it's going to get interesting. No doubt everybody loves The Shield. Fact is, when The Shield was together, people loved Roman Reigns. And nobody wants to remember that and nobody wants to admit that. But Roman Reigns was beloved by fans when The Shield was together. And honestly, when you saw them working all together, Roman Reigns feels whole. I think that the only person that you could make an argument that benefits from The Shield not being together is Seth Rollins. I thought that Dean Ambrose was at his most popular and at his best when he was in The Shield, and there's no denying that Roman Reigns is at his best and most popular when he's in The Shield. But I think Seth Rollins is awesome in The Shield too. I love that he went back and he put the vest back on and that Dean Ambrose went back to wearing the black and that it was really The Shield. This was the reunion that we were supposed to get at Survivor Series last year when Roman had to go out because he was sick and then Ambrose got injured. They gave it some time and now they're bringing it back. And it makes sense and it's good. Here's the question. And the question I got on Twitter a whole bunch. The WWE Universe wants to know, is, are the Shield, is the Shield a heel group? Who's the heel? And if you look at what the Shield did, right? So Braun Strowman came out, middle of the Finn Balor-Roman Reigns match, and came out to cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase. His music played, Roman Reigns was up, he said he was going to do it, He comes out here to do it. If anything, he got screwed out of cashing in at SummerSlam. So he comes back on Monday to cash in like he said he was going to do. Not a shock, not a surprise. Anybody who's champion would assume that Braun Strowman's going to come out and try to cash in. Right? Right. Okay. And by the way, they made Finn Balor not only look competitive, but they could have had him lose that match. They could have just had him get pinned and then have Braun Strowman came out. They didn't. I think they're starting to believe in Finn Balor again, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I was glad that he came out as the Demon. That was the one squash match that I was okay with at SummerSlam because he was the Demon. I think the Demon should be squashing people because there should be some kind of differential between Finn Balor and the Demon. And quite honestly, that's probably why Baron Corbin beat Finn Balor clean on Raw a couple weeks ago because they wanted to show how much more powerful the demon is. Um, but, so, congr- it's good news for Finn Balor, I, th- I think. Watching it, that's how I took it. You've now got Finn Balor, Braun Strowman, and Brock Lesnar, really, all that can make the claim that they're owed a title shot from Roman Reigns, right? All of them have an argument. And then there's, there. I mean, there's a, this is as deep as the roster has ever been in terms of potential main eventers, as deep as it's ever been on either roster. So the question is, are they a heel? So I brought up all the Braun Strowman stuff to say that everything Braun Strowman did was babyface. And there's no doubt that everything the Shield did was bad guy Shield. Acted in numbers. I don't care how big Braun Strowman is. It's one-on-one. The champion should be able to defend one-on-one against Braun Strowman. They ganged up on him. Braun Strowman tried to take all of them on like a man. They ganged up on him and weren't effective until there were multiple people. 
if you're going by the rules of storytelling, The Shield is a bad guy group. The Shield is heel. This is as much a heel turn as you could ever have. That said, Shield's not going to get booed. Everybody's way too happy to see the Shield back together. They are not getting booed. So, is Braun Strowman the heel? No. Braun Strowman's not getting booed either. You know, I think people are happy to see the Shield back. People would be happy to see Braun Strowman win the Universal Championship from Roman Reigns. I think what you're dealing with here is something similar to Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar in the sense that both guys are getting booed. It's the reverse. I think in the story of The Shield versus Braun Strowman, both sides are going to get cheered. I think The Shield has far more potential to get booed, and they may get them there, but they may also keep The Shield as good guys in order to preserve that, in order to say, like, hey, they're killing it on merchandise. Roman Reigns is finally getting cheered. Shield's good guys. Braun Strowman's a good guy, too. This is the match we're going to go with, though, because I would imagine that that'll be at Hell in a Cell. And what you're doing here, you're bringing back the Shield, and you're giving Braun Strowman a reason to request a Hell in the Cell match with Roman Reigns because he can't cash in without distractions. It's either Brock Lesnar or it's the Shield. So how does he get Roman Reigns one-on-one? inside that Hell in a Cell. I'm just looking forward to watching Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins scale that thing and find their way into the cage with Braun Strowman. That's it for the State of Wrestling this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys who are watching along on Patreon uh, enjoyed it. You Not Sam Shills you. Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. I'm glad, I hope, let me know, NotSamWrestling at gmail.com if you like. You know, the whole thing isn't different. But the show has changed directions just a little bit. We're now not Sam Wrestling. Let me know what you think, and we'll see you next week here on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Hey, we're still here. Look, I just wanted to ask you if you think it's okay to drive stone, do you? The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but you put everyone in danger that's around you. Stop kidding yourself. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Learn more at nhtsa.gov. Drive high, get a DUI. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.